Hello and welcome to episode 38 of Command Space. My name is Mike Hurley and you are, you have another episode this week and it's with none other than Mr. Merlin Mann. Hi Merlin. Hello Mike, how are you? I'm very well, how are you? I'm doing extremely well. I had a hot dog and I'm plugged in and fully prepared. So this just was, you basically, Dan is sick, Dan the, the master of 5x5, five five. so you had no time, well you had nothing to do with your time today except read mm-hmm. comics, so... I decided, well, we decided that we would talk instead. To give yeah, absolutely. I think, I think it was decided on our behalf via mm-hmm. someone on Twitter who I wasn't aware. I hadn't looked at Twitter much today. And I, I just noticed that you were uh, casting about, as you say, mm-hmm. for uh, <laughs> in your queue for, uh, for somebody. And I, you know, I, you, you, you know, we've talked about this. We've, we've had calls. I, I love doing stuff with you. So it's an honor and a thrill. You're too kind. But I have something I must talk to you about. Right. Yes. Because this, this is... This is this has been a monumental week for for the followers of Mr. Man. <laughs> because you spoke about Inbox Zero this week. <laughs> yes. Which is something I you did. haven't done, I think, seriously in quite some time, right? Would no, right absolutely not, that? yeah. So there was you you posted on Kung Fu Grip, which is your lovely web blog, your Tumblr blog. Just a a short piece, really, about sort of how what your thoughts are on Inbox Zero right now. Would that be a fair summary? Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. Where did this come from? Where, why why did you decide to do this? Uh, that's an unexpectedly interesting question. I think um, not because you're uninteresting, but because uh, the genesis um, is is strange. I mean, I, I basically I got uh, an email from someone. Uh, yesterday, yesterday morning, who's preparing to do a talk somewhere and wanted to have a phone call um, like in, in the next day, basically today, to um, talk about Inbox Zero because that's what's, what she was going to be addressing in part in this talk. And yeah, I said, well, you know, I don't really have time for our, a call, unfortunately, but, but, <laughs> and I weirdly, God, it's so strange. This is, this is so me. I, I found myself writing this thing um, and uh, and I don't know the part. The first part about it that's interesting, I suppose, is that I used to, Inbox Zero is arguably the thing for which I first became semi-famous. Mm-hmm. It was it was the thing that really forty-three folders had been, to be honest, pretty popular in its way for a while. But Inbox Zero was a popular series, and then after I did that talk at Google about Inbox Zero, it you know kind of went a little bananas, and you know. In large part because I was really into it, but in uh, in almost large part, I realized that it was a an earner would be the wrong word, but it was something that had longevity and legs, meaning it was an earner. So I could talk about it a lot, and people would be interested in it. And I did have a lot to say, so I'm almost done with this part. Um, but then I, you know, I uh, had this book contract to write this book called Inbox Zero, and without going into too much of the grisly details, it just it was a very it was a horrible process a horrible experience for me and i was so turned off to the idea of doing anything related to inbox zero but in particular i was really bitter about being expected to talk about email i I got i got a little bit bob dylan and i was just like no i I, i'm done with this and on top of it all i was in the meantime on the one hand of course I'm, i'm grateful and humbled and happy that people felt like the inbox zero idea had such I don't know, that it had such a presence for people, that it had such, you know, something that people were applying, and I was getting all this amazing email from people about it, but it was like the last thing in the world that I wanted to talk about, and, on, and you know, the cherry on top of all of it was I was like realizing how many people were either misunderstanding what I said 
or that I really had done a poor job in the whatever two years I spent with that godforsaken book project, however long it was, mm-hmm. that, you know, and not wanting to say anything about it, that I had not really properly updated it to comport with how my brain thinks about it now. So does that make sense as prologue? Yeah, it does. It's what makes yesterday morning odd because I, uh, apart from stuff that I would put on Tumblr or like, it's not really writing, but stuff I would put on Twitter, I, I haven't had that much itch to write anything for a while. And so it's kind of funny that this woman uh, was kind enough to write me and uh, I started out just writing like three little short paragraphs <laughs> and then a very odd thing happened that happens to me sometimes. Uh, I think, oh, this should be distributed cognition. Like why don't instead, why don't I actually write the equivalent of a, <clears throat> of a short blog post and then send that to her and that way I get a blog post and a response, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, and so I guess it came out pretty easily because it's all stuff that seems obvious to me, but I realized I hadn't put down in one place succinctly uh, over the years. And, and, and for people who haven't, don't know what any of this means, Inbox Zero was something I came up with, really obvious stuff in some ways, I came up with in maybe 2006, which is just this idea of trying to process all of your email every time you deal with your email to more specifically, I guess, get out of the habit of letting email accumulate really specifically, tactically, tactically letting, letting stuff pile up that would then, you know, have the knock on effect of making you procrastinate or feel bad or not even want to look at email. And it was a series of just basic practices cobbled together from a lot of other stuff, including getting things done by David Allen, uh, to help you feel less stress about that. But over the years, it, it became clear and clear to me that email was not the problem. That, first of all, in some ways, the existence of people was the problem. And more saliently, it, our own uneasy relationships with those people or with our own expectations of ourselves were what made that hard. So that, what I just said was much longer than what I wrote yesterday. <laughs> isn't that just the way that it goes? Though? But isn't that funny how, how you know, if you'd asked me the night before last, like how I feel about writing a blog post about inbox zero i would have you know laughed at me and said um what who who do you you know do you, what a silly what a silly guy of six years you ago? are yeah silly british <laughs> fool you are but, but yeah what i like and you know knowing you as i do you will scoff and, and tell me thank me and tell me to be quiet but you, that's the thing i'm trying to stop doing so go ahead you in one small post wrote you basically took all of the productivity bloggers and put them to shame in a morning. <laughs> wow, thank you. And I was having I this guess. conversation <laughs> with a few of my friends that write this sort of stuff. Um, right. I was talking to Brett Kelly about it yesterday and Michael Schechter. And, and they both, you know, they're both guys that kind of write some of this sort of stuff, you know, about working better and things. And they agreed with me and then like, yeah, how... How it makes them feel like Merlin just like he just throws out a blog post in the morning that was accidentally an email um, <laughs> and shows why you were able to be a success in the first place. I think, oh my that god, that is thank it. you. That is so incredibly nice of you. I wow, that, I don't know what to say. Thank you. That's like amazingly nice of you to say. But saying about like the inbox zero thing, it's interesting because I mean, do you think thinking of that term inbox zero, if you could go back. Would you would you call it something different? Because I think I see I see people that I'm sure couldn't have read forty three folders say inbox zero. Like I work in quite a corporate environment as a day job at the moment, hopefully for not too much longer. 
And I see people using the term. And I'm like, if I say to you, oh, if I went up to that person and said Merlin Man, they wouldn't know necessarily who you were. But it's a term that's been people have spoken about and it's been put in other books and, and things like that. And it's like a term that has spread into corporate America and, and, and <laughs> beyond, I, I believe. Because I can't see arrows that could get there. And, and I think a lot of people mean it's must delete or respond to every email. I think that's what people think. Yeah, or I must, I must, if I've accepted this abstract notion of what I believe is called inbox zero, it means that I, not to sound cynical, but what I've seen over the years is to some people inbox zero means I will stay here in this inbox for as long and often as I need to in order to have my email all be done. Exactly. Yeah, I will stay until nine o'clock tonight. Sure, and, which and which which I it. which I do understand. Especially, we've all had things where we're going to go on vacation or where we feel really behind, and it can feel really gratifying to you know just get through a lot of stuff that's been on your mind. But you know, not to put too fine a point on it, but if you're doing that every day, that's probably not the healthiest thing in the world. And it really kind of, ironically enough, defeats the purpose of at least what I believe today, which is that you know. Well, I mean, to answer your question, to be honest, no, I, I don't think I would name it something different because it's an awesome phrase, mm. and it's you know one of those rare things where I, I came up with this name for something, kind of pulled it out of my backside, and it I think it's a really it's a really good name, and it really was pretty close to perfect for what I was trying to say, which was that you know. Why would you look at email if you don't plan to do anything about it? You know, including deleting it. But, you know, I guess that. Um, oh, you know, to to address your other point, it's kind of funny, and I I would never, well, I don't know, only periodically and in very small ways make a big deal about it. But yeah, it is kind of funny that it's it's an it's obviously an honor that this uh, that phrase has gone into parlance in so many places. And and to be honest, uh, I've had two different apps on my phone in the last month that both used the phrase inbox zero once you didn't have any email in your inbox. Yeah. yeah. Neither, neither, neither of you contacted help. me ahead of time, which I guess, which doesn't matter so much, but you know, it, it does go to your point that that's now in some small way passed into, you know, popular culture in the business and productivity world. But I mean, you know, even, even at the time I remember being pretty frustrated uh, boy, one time I just went, I don't know where I'm getting these Britishisms. I went hammer and tongs after this, this one person <laughs> who wrote this, isn't that, isn't that hammer and tongs? Yeah, you guys say where that? did you get that? I think it's the name of a band, I'm, okay. but it's also, isn't that, it's a term, right? Yeah. Like yeah, yeah. Bl- Bloody Mary or uh, Henry the fifth. I don't remember, <laughs> but this person had written this total, like vi- almost vituperative link bait article about inbox zero. Oh, uh, there's really no such thing as inbox zero because, and you know, it's a lot of the thing a lot of people say because they hear that phrase. And as with so many phrases, I'm the same way. I have a reflexive, negative reaction to something that becomes like a a silly meme. But you know, the 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 thing that's harder for to understand. I have a lot of friends who really like Doctor Doctor Who, and and I think probably I think you like Doctor Who. Is that right? Yeah, I love Doctor Who, yeah. Okay. Well, like, I, I watched the Tom Baker one when I was a kid. But, like, it's funny because I find myself going, oh, my God, if I hear one more person talk about Doctor Who, I'm going to lose my mind, even though I'm totally that guy about a million things. Like, especially stuff like Adventure Time and, my God, comic books. So many of my friends, like, can barely stop from just bonking me on the head for talking about comics so much. So I'm sympathetic to that. But, 
you know, and now I can sit here and ha-ha make a Doctor Who joke, even though I know it's a really good show. But with this particular piece, this this person had written, um, it's it's. Let me put it this way: If you do like Doctor Who, or you do like something you've created or you know cobbled together, in this case, Inbox Zero, you take it kind of personally if somebody in your mind deliberately misunderstands or misrepresents it for a less than noble reason, right? It is what you could call a cheap joke, for example, uh, to deliberately misapprehend something in order to make you know a stupid point. And you know, I'm trying to remember the details. I kind of blocked it out, but I went, uh, I went nuts on this person in a in a blog comment, a very very well written blog comment, I have to say. And then completely <laughs> without my like, um, I, I I don't remember like inviting people to bring their torches, but so many people collapsed on this article and we're all saying, no, 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 this is, you're talking about the exact opposite of what Merlin's talking about. Have you actually even read what this is? This is not about spending all day in an email. In fact, it is kind of about the idea that because of the complete lack of control you have over your inbox, you have, we have to learn to treat that in a way that seems extremely counterintuitive which is not that you sit here and shovel all day long, but you learn to get a little bit more okay with what's in there and then deal with it responsibly when you get there. I, that's, that's a long walk, but I, I'm, I'm, you know, thank you for saying all of that. Uh, and it was, a, I guess, I, it's kind of interesting because I, I did kind of pull that thing out. Uh, I was happy to be able to have a place to say it. I was really gratified because I'm really self-involved by seeing the number of people who have apparently you know, followed that link from Twitter and stuff like that. Yeah, and uh, and now I, to be honest, I am very reluctant to say this, but now it kind of makes me want to uh, revisit some of that. I, I'm not about to say that I would want to write a book, <laughs> not about to say that, but um, I do want to flesh it out for an article I may submit to a friend's thing. Um, I'm talking a lot. Sorry. Yeah. So yeah, yeah, I wrote that. It was an email, and now and now it's a thing, and people liked it. It's super weird. I mean, I guess you could. You could even put something on 43 folders, right? Put something yeah, there. I guess so. For a long time, I was really sensitive about the fact I hadn't posted there. But, you know, I, um, I don't know. I, I don't know what else I would say there at this point. It feels like a resource now. You know, like I, it feels I, I guess like a, I guess so. Like I mean, I'm glad it's there. And I, I don't want people to, to, to think that I, like, hate the site or something. I just I, – I feel like I've kind of re – I feel like as part of, like, anything that I could do to be useful to people – um, in as much as I can be useful, part of it is for me to say that my new racket, uh, well, my, my my racket for a long time has been to be a contrarian because it never hurts to have somebody around who's being the court jester to make you mad for a second and then think for a second. And I don't do that all the time. Sometimes I'm just being a jerk. But, but you know, in, in this case, I did realize, and uh, forgive me for saying this for the thousandth time, but I realized <clears throat> increasingly how much of a dead end it felt like for me uh, to be chasing productivity. And in the case of our friends who do productivity blogs, it can be very frustrating and I think a little bit of a secret shame to realize that in order to keep the blog racket going, you do have to post a lot. So if you have a blog about SEO, it's completely understandable that you wouldn't want to post 40 things a day and you know relink from this same popular blog about that topic. But you know, even in a very small handful of productivity things I follow, it's not unusual to see exactly the same story linked from exactly the same people with pretty much very similar annotation, if any. And, you know, I'm not trying to sound like I think I'm superior or something, but 
mostly I'm just watching and waiting for the day that they find that to be a dead end too. Mm-hmm. You know, and, and it's what makes me think about the kind of new things I would like to do being a little bit more afield from just purely uh, meta conversations about the kind of thing that can make us theoretically more productive. I love doing back to work. I don't see that ending at any point. But, you know, I've sat on this long enough now to say, well, you know, I kind of want to make more real stuff. Doing stuff like Roderick on the Line has made me really want to make more things. Not things everybody's going to like, but to actually go and produce something that isn't, you know, simply a, 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 a layer of commentary about how people work. I guess this actually leads quite nicely into the next thing that we want to talk about because I guess with where you are right now and the amount of time that has passed since 43 Folders, I guess that there are a bunch of people now that don't know you from that, that follow you. You know, They follow the work that you do, whether it's Roderick on the line, um, You Look Nice Today, which I'm pouring one out for right now, <laughs> and, <Thank you. laughs> and Back to Work. Right? I guess there are people that have found you there. And maybe you never even really knew that forty three folders existed. You know, that, that could have been that could be the case, I think. And you have spoken about um a new project. <laughs> so this will be the, the continuation, right? So leaving something uh, behind. Such a poor idea on. to talk about this. <laughs> We're gonna talk about it. I'm making you talk about it. So well, you wanna you... do something new, right? What what Talk me through what's going on in, in uh, I, your I'd mind. be happy to, but I, I think you bring up something interesting. I, I haven't really thought about it too much, like whether people would know me from 43 folders. But, you know, it, there's two, at least two interesting angles to that. One is, yeah, you're right. There may be people who only know the prickly and seemingly confused Merlin of Back to Work, where, you know, I feel free to let a certain kind of my own id out because Dan's such a great foil for it. And where, where I get to think out loud about stuff that's, that I didn't even know was on my mind. And I, I love having that platform and I can highly recommend getting one uh, if you don't have it to your listeners. Um, but the other funny side of it is, you know, I, I now in retrospect, I can really accept uh, with a little bit more humility the people who looked at 43 folders, you know, probably at any point after the first few months and thought, oh, you know, brother, there's this site about productivity that's just like posting all this stuff. And I'm proud of what went up there. Um, there's not that many things that I would look at today and go, Ugh. you know, I think the phrase, I think my role in helping to bring the phrase life hacks into parlance is, is a little bittersweet because I think it means virtually nothing now. And it is one of those phrases that is completely annoying to hear because it's lost so much of its, you know, muscularity from, from where it started. But I guess what I'm saying is it's kind of funny that uh, who knows? Somebody could end up listening to Roderick on the line who really didn't like 43 folders. <laughs> and that would be, in some ways, with this whatever next project I do, that would be kind of the dream for me is for somebody to have no clue. When I say who I am, I don't mean that to sound, you know, self involved, but I mean, like, my, my, one of my goals at this point is to try and do some things that would be. I'm trying to figure out what, what, what kinds of projects. And, you know, let me just state, Mike, the reason I thought this would be interesting to talk about here is not because I just want to sit around and talk about myself and this mystery project. I have no idea what it's <laughs> going to be, but because I think it affects the way a lot of us work. It's like when we're, when we're trying to figure out what to do next, once we've had any small measure of any small success, it's extremely common to look mostly backward uh, and only slightly forward, to think about incremental changes 
or additions to what we already do, which is you know totally sensible, right? You don't want to have your reach exceed your grasp in a way that um, harms the stuff that you're doing well. But I guess I guess I'm just interested. I'd love to know what you think about this too, because we've chatted a bit about it. But I'm very interested in the idea of like, what if, for the sake of argument, what if you decided to do something where your desire to bring along people who know and enjoy what you do was arguably tertiary. Like, yes, you absolutely would love people to come along with you. But what if you tried to do something that sought to reach, um, for lack of a better phrase, an audience, uh, consumers, however you want to think of it. What if you tried to reach somebody who had no freaking idea who you are and would evaluate what you did strictly on the merits rather than how it compared to previous things that you did and whether or not they basically liked your personality or not? Yeah. And the, I started really, I don't know why that stuck with me, but I feel like I look around and I see people who've had some success with something. They stick with it <sighs> doggedly. Maybe then I think of people like who've been on TV shows or in movies and then, you know, there are people like Bruce Campbell who've been able to like reboot an entire career out of being the ex star of something. You know what I mean? There are, yeah. there are people who figure out how to evolve, but there are also people who are basically, you know, signing footballs at the community center for, for a nickel and never figured out how to repot themselves. You know what I mean? Yeah. Maybe, maybe in a public eye, maybe not. And anyway, I guess I only bring it up here because I not, I, I, I am, uh, offline, of course, mostly I, I appreciate my friends giving me suggestions for this based on what they think I'm good at. But I don't know, for everybody out there, I guess, to me, this is a natural extension of whatever we talk about on Back to Work or elsewhere, which is like, how do you decide what to do next? And like, what if you challenged yourself to do something you'd never done before that would be evaluated on the merit rather than on like who you could sort of drag along with you to, you know, like it more easily just because of who you are? So I think that the, listening to you talk like i can see why this would be a difficult thing to do because basically you know you 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 have a, a couple of shows that you do you have a handful of shows that you do and we spoke about this the first time you were on this show that that like roderick on the line and back to work are kind of they are the, the <laughs> a balance of the right. types of thing that you do it's like a Janus kind of thing, or a, yeah. not so on Charybdis, but there's the two. Kind of, you, you said that really well. That there's kind of like two sides that express themselves, two very different sides. And and on these shows as well, you talk about the things that you love, and you, you have no shame in that. If you know, if you want to talk about Adventure Time, you'll do it. So that's that. <laughs> but that's what I mean. For 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 me, that's my favorite thing about Back to Work is the the breadth that you can go in and you can find out about a comic book and a cartoon and then come away with a life lesson, right? That's, that's how I look at back to work now. And, and that's why I, I love the show so much because it is so varied. But so the difficulty in what you're trying to do now is you want to create something that doesn't fit these wheelhouses. So you have to find, not only do you have to come up with a show and a format, you have to come up with a topic as well, and that's kind of difficult. I think. Mm-hmm. Am I? Am I? Is that? Does that make sense? Like what I'm saying? Yeah, yeah, it really does. I'm just I'm thinking about what you're saying. Um, because I mean, like my first, as I as I think about the concentric circles, and, and again, forgive me I, if this sounds incredibly self-involved, because it is. This is me trying to just figure this stupid thing out, and I hope it's. I hope it makes other people feel uncomfortable too, because I think it's an interesting thing to feel uncomfortable about. Is um, you know. 
what if I what if I were to set aside the things that I, I think I can dependably do? Like I, you know, I'm really torn because I have to tell you that I I'm we have, Roderick on the line has a a pro, pro, probably has a more it's a funny thing. Roderick on the line has an audience that is on the one hand much more modest in size than a lot of our listeners would imagine, but without sounding um, you know hopefully without sounding too immodest, you'd be blown away by who listens to our show. It's like, I mean, like a couple dozen heroes of mine never miss an episode, largely because of John probably, which is fine. I mean, I'm just glad (laughs) glad to be there. But like, that is so gratifying. Um, I, 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 every time we sit around and John and I try to think about, well, what should we be doing with the show? I kind of find, you know, at this point we think about, well, you know, what we might do is we might, we might, you know, sell interesting merchandise and do more shows like like live shows like we're thinking about having like selling a roderick on the line bell for example oh that's um, so cool that <laughs> sounds silly unless you listen to the show it would but, be awesome i would and buy people one. are people like like super train stickers are showing up li- literally around the world mm-hmm. so but it, the idea would be there and like not just to like make bank on it although it would be nice to have you know a little bit of adjunct income from something we love doing but you know, I've, I've used this phrase a lot, specifically with regard to Jonathan Colton, but it really applies to a lot of people. I have a lot of respect for anybody who's reluctant to let someone uh, screw up their work for almost no money. And every time I think about, like, do we want sponsors? Do we want, I mean, can you imagine, like, actual ads? Could you imagine, like, God love him, an Audible ad or a Drobo ad in the middle of our show? It, it would be super weird. Roderick, it doesn't work for Roderick on the line. Because it's kind of its own universe. I mean, I mean we've, done, we've done sponsorships a couple yep. times that I think went well mm-hmm. because we tried hard to make them good and, and, you know, Tiff Arment has a beautiful voice. But anyhow, but the thing is doing that show is just so fun. It's, and I, I mean, and this is really self-involved. I really like how our show turns out. It's what I, John and I for 10 years have been having these calls and I love how it turns out. But I guess what I'm trying to say is like, I, I could, my first concentric circle is to think about doing something more like that where I've got a handful of friends that I would love to do a show with. You had an idea for a show that I won't talk about specifically here, but not so different in some ways from the show you and I talked about, which I think you should definitely do. Um, anyway, but then, I mean, then I look at my friends who I really admire, uh, and, and they just keep producing work uh, of one kind or another. I mean, I you know, <clears throat> like people like count as friends, you know, people like, like Rob Corddry. I mean, that guy works really, really, really hard on his TV show. Plus he still does, you know, appearances in different places. Like he just does so much different stuff. I've recently become acquainted with this guy named Ben Acker who does the thrilling adventure hour and who's currently writing the season one Marvel book, part of the, part of the season one Marvel book for Wolverine. Mm. He's met Len Wine. <laughs> he's like, he's just a super interesting guy who's just constantly working you know, constantly like, I guess networking in some ways, like meeting new people that he could work with. And I'm really as aged as I am compared to most people who would undertake this. Like, I'm not going to go be an intern in Hollywood, but I'm really inspired by people who have decided to plunge themselves into trying to entertain other people or to educate other people or to, to do something where they throw themselves completely into it and are constantly open to what it might turn into and it feels to me like a much more courageous and terrifying and interesting way to approach your work rather than, you know, moving your pawn up one square at a time and hoping, you know, you don't lose your king. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Do you know what I find really interesting about hearing you say these things? Like saying all that you said then about 
wanting to entertain people. So I know that there are people listening to this now who are like, you do that for for me. You know, so you, Merlin Man, entertain me. You are already doing these things, but you're just thinking it about it at another level now, aren't you? It's just it's interesting like, it's hearing you say that stuff. <laughs> you're awfully nice to say that. that but that's uh, what you do, right? You create an entertainment mm-hmm. medium for people. And, and it's not, it's not, but it's about doing it in a nice different way. So, right? <laughs> well, you still so, don't right? have me on the incomparable. It breaks my heart every I, week. Every t- every time I see you tweet, Jason, I feel I feel sorry for you. I don't know what I've done to that guy. I guess Dan and I made fun of him one time, and now I guess he's just gonna he's gonna drag me through the mud. You know, I, I, I can, know who I have to blow to get on that show, Mike. But it's just it's killing me. <laughs> he mentioned, and I and I totally understand what he's saying. I think he said to you on Twitter, it's like he doesn't want to misuse you now. <laughs> What? Because he's been what built a up, freaking right? left-handed non-compliment. <laughs> he even let that Moises guy on. <laughs> you're too, oh, you're too pretty to kiss. <laughs> well, it's nice. It's nice of you to say that, but I guess the one thing that that has me what's the right word chastened is that a lot of the stuff that I've made that I thought was really, really good and really, really funny uh, has not gotten anywhere near the response that I expected, and that's been a little bit. You know, there's nothing that you will never. I mean, there are things that happen. Like I think Dan said this. It it may have been on your show, but he he was talking to someone. It might it might have been an interview. The guy's been doing loads of interviews, yeah. and uh, he said about back to work that there are episodes that you guys do, and you're like, okay, that was fine, or I'm not so sure. And then people are like, that was the best episode ever, and. I get it as well. Like, that, okay, that was a isn't that a isn't that a horrible episode. feeling when yeah. Syracuse was talking about this with his writing on, on a show I was listening to, and uh, isn't that a horrible feeling that you're such a terrible judge of, of your own work that like you might think that that's the worst thing you ever did and people like it or vice versa? Isn't that dispiriting? <laughs> the worst the worst thing for me is you do a show and somebody and people are like that was incredible and you're like I did nothing different. I don't know. I can't replicate now. What well, you are dude, asking let's, me to do. let's talk brass tacks. We see that in our numbers yes. for the show. Where, for example, like the, the episodes we did on getting things done, which I thought were were pretty good. You know, people always get frustrated. Some people hate the first half, and some people hate the second half of the show. Like I like it all. I like yeah. the shucking and jiving, and I like the potentially useful stuff. I like our relationship. I think that's what the show's about. But you know, those shows did extremely well. But there will be a show that like a lot of people talked about. A lot of people liked. That will be a third of the number of downloads as a show that was just like a, a good, a good back to work. It, the most popular episode of you look nice today is one of my least favorite episodes. And the ones that are my most favorite, I'm just blown away. I don't understand why vagina vagina is not more popular. It, it, I think it might be our masterwork and I'm the only one who likes it. Apparently. <laughs> <laughs> but you know, I've done stuff like, like, you know, um, Scott Simpson said something, I think on Twitter, a long time ago that has just, I think about it all the time because anymore, the main places, there's like two silly places I post things, which is Twitter and Tumblr. And you see on your dashboard in Tumblr, like, like whether people liked stuff you did put up or reblog what you put up. And it's kind of hard not to notice it. And then eventually like kind of, in my case, like semi obsessively follow it looking for this, you know, uh, approval, I guess. Mm-hmm. But it's really funny to me that like, 
my favorite, my really like some of my absolute favorite bands, like nobody will even look at the video. A wonderful band from, I think, Birmingham, uh, The Move, who's like one of the greatest bands of all time. And like, I cannot get any of my friends to like The Move. It's completely depressing to me. It's like they like Cheap Trick and they like The Beatles, they like ELO, but they don't understand that like The Move is the apotheosis of, of those different parts. And, and when I've done stuff, like I did this thing for a while, I, you know, I did the, that phone guy site, which I accidentally deleted and have to put up. Oh, well, really? But, um, <laughs> Whoops. No, <it's>, yeah. <laughs> yeah. You know what you got to watch for, Mike? Buttons. Mm, that would get Buttons you. are affordances. Don Norman said that. And uh, I, but like, for example, I did this thing that I thought was like, I laughed at my own joke so hard called, called Quotidian Public Radio, which was a bunch of parodies of, of public radio shows, like a handful. And I thought it was like one of the funniest things I've ever done in my life, and nobody liked it. Like, nobody listened to it. Nobody, like, <laughs> I could see that I thought it was so funny and so spot on. But like, you know, and like the, the music that I've made, some people like and some people don't. I guess what I'm saying is for myself, like uh, personally, if you don't in this day and age of like such immediate, e- either in the, me- in the immediacy that you can see in like whether social media reflects the popularity, quote unquote, unquote, or something, or in the long run, if you see over time, like, you know, my God, this, this one post that I wrote on 43 folders about kind of realizing I was at the end of my rope with, with the book that I was writing is probably the most popular thing I've ever written, which I was kind of caught me by surprise a little bit. Whereas something that I think is probably like the single funniest parody of Tim Ferriss anyone has ever done, it, like five people have heard it. And I think that's a shame. Which and why am I saying that? Because like in your case, like in my case, in Dan's case, in anybody's case, if you are trying to put stuff out there to people, you would like to know that people like it, even if you're not, you know, a, a, com- a complete unlovable attention whore. Like you are gonna, if you're putting stuff out there, nobody puts something on a blog that they don't want someone to read, and they don't want somebody. Nobody puts stuff on a blog that they don't want to influence people. Anybody who says otherwise is lying. And so you could, on the one hand, follow stats completely. You could follow, like, you know, whether famous people follow you on Twitter and stuff or, you know, whatever. But everybody, everybody wants to reach an audience. And I think one thing we're describing here is how weird and frustrating it is if you're reaching an audience, but it's not the audience you expected, and they liked a different thing than you wanted them to like. One of the, one of the things that, that helped me... Um, from going insane because whilst trying to build a podcasting network knowing that I needed to get a certain amount of listeners to get sponsors and then to grow and to be able to make enough money that I can do this stuff full time I was transfixed by numbers so I had like 10 different shows or whatever that I was either a part of or was on the network and I would check the numbers multiple times a day of all of them and it was driving me insane and one of the things that helped me just relax and calm down was to stop caring about the number of the audience but the quality of the listener Mm -hmm. so you were saying about with Roderick on the line that was what made me think of this that you have people that listen to the show that you're heroes of and that's what I get with Command Space the numbers are good, they're not astronomical you know, they're, they're, it's a very good show. It's it's the most popular but show. But they're I've ever respectable. Done. You're not embarrassed of them. Yeah, exactly. I'm very happy with them. I mean, they're mm-hmm. not. You know, I couldn't go and live on a yacht with those numbers. <laughs> but but they're Make good. Sure you pick up some yacht wax if you get a exactly. yacht. Exactly. But the main the main thing for me is I know there are people that I have been fans of for years and still 
are really that I know listen to the show. And that is, for me, better than if the numbers were 10 times as large. And it was just about sort of focusing on that. I don't really know where I was going. I, 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 no, dude, I hear you. And I reluctantly, I have to say, agree with you. But here's, here's the fact in life. And it's funny because, you know, one of the first things that John Roderick and I did in front of people was a series of interviews for this thing I did called The Merlin Show, this little video thing I did for a little while. And I was just, we were kind of contrasting. He was mostly making fun of me because that's what he does. But we were contrasting the differences and comparing similarities in what we do. Him at the time, he hasn't put out a record in a while to his chagrin. But, you know, he's, for an indie rock guy, he's been, he's been pretty successful. And... Um, and certainly, don't tell him I said this. He's one of the he's one of the most gifted songwriters of his generation. Even though he's a total tool as a human being, but um, you know, I was telling him how strange it is. And this is, of course, in the throes of forty three folders, this is maybe two thousand seven or something. And I was just saying how funny it is that um, there's that quote that's been attributed to Lily Tomlin that I think is actually one of her writers that said it. But the problem with the rat race is even if you win, you're still a rat. And uh, you know, I think it's funny to me that like if you're gonna there's such a template that's been established for online properties. And it's a template that is so indelible and so widely uh, used that it's hard to even see as a template. It's so hegemonic to how we deal with the internet today, which is that you have to have a presence on things like Twitter and Facebook. You want to have lots of followers there. You have to post so many things and blah, 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 blah. You know, and even if you, but here's the thing, even if you fought all of that, even if you do something like what Guy English does or something like one of those people I admire who like writes something rarely, but often, you can still go find out what that person's page rank is. You can still, through any variety of means, go out and determine their clout. Ugh, God, it just hurts my mouth to even say that word. But you can go out, and through all these measures that these people had absolutely no role in creating, you can go out and find metrics based on the raw tonnage of human or automated attention that went to what they did, which is kind of depressing can be kind of cool. If you're on top of your game and you're scoring lots of things and 2,000 people looked at the thing I wrote yesterday, like that's cool. But how do you quantify how awesome your audience is? And, you know, maybe you shouldn't need to. But in the case of Roderick on the line, it's, you know, I think it frustrates John a little bit when I say things like this, but uh, I think more people should listen to it, but I don't want anybody to listen to it who's not as awesome as the people who already listen to it. And I can afford to be careless about that because it's not like my big earner and I don't have to beg people to like it. But, you know, I'm, I, I don't want to like drop names, but I mean like every time John tells me about another one of his friends for whom I own five to ten of their albums, my hand to God, when he says that, I, I get all weird. Like it makes me all shaky. And like, you know what I mean? Because totally. I remember the first time that uh, – I don't follow his work now, but uh, John Gruber, the first time he ever linked to something that I, I wrote, it was – harrowing to me because I had so much respect for him and have so much respect for him but it was somebody it wasn't even like I got fireballed it was just more that like oh my god I just realized that John Gruber somehow in the world became aware of something that I was doing and do you know what I mean like it's almost like somebody seeing you doing extremely competent dance in your underwear and you go I had no idea that people could see that I'm glad they liked it but it was kind of weird because now I have to really try yeah, now I have to to write or record. I have to live up to that, and I have to earn another one of those things. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and anybody out there who doesn't do that or doesn't really feel that way, you're lying, lying. <laughs> so, <all laughs> lying cat is angry at your lying. <laughs> all of this to say, 
you've got this. I guess I think that this conversation sums up exactly where you are with this project. Oh, I'm sorry to hear that. <laughs> no, but it's like it's the idea of you know I'm working on this. You know, this is a this is a yeah. thing that is. I'm not distraught about it, but yeah. it is the whole nature of it is if it didn't make. I'm sorry to interrupt you. If it if it didn't make me uncomfortable, I would not be having the right argument with myself. Exactly. Yeah, that, that's. I don't mean that you are in a land of despair, but that you are you are working through what this will be like. This is this sounds so terrible, but the next chapter. Mm-hmm, sure. Yeah, it's probably. Well, thanks, like, thanks for the book analogy. That's great. You want to bring up Pussy Willows next? <laughs> Just a couple, no, couple no, it's but no. I, you're totally right. But I mean, again, this is. Some, thank you for saying that. And like the the things, and I and I. I don't know if it's proper to talk about it here or, you know, in another one of our offline conversations. You're, you're one of the people that I would love to do stuff with, you know? I mean, like, like for example, like, I find myself thinking, I have this handful of Z-list friends, for example, that I, I plan to leverage for this comics podcast I talked to you about that I'd like, I've told you I'd like you to be on, which is, you know, it's, I want to do like a 10-episode, very limited. We have both talked about the benefits of the limited-run podcast and what a darn shame it is, and more people don't do that. But, you know, talking about how they got to where they are with comics. What are the comics they loved, you know, 20 years ago? And what would you recommend for people getting started? What would you avoid? Apparently, the Spider-Man clone stuff I got suckered into. Dan, Dan that was apparently a prank that Dan pulled on me that I should read that. <laughs> but now I have a very wide TPP that I haven't even cracked. But, but that, that appeals to me. But then on the other, So then I think, like, I don't want to talk out of school, but, like, I would love to do something with you. I would love to do something with... Rob, I would love to do something with Ben, uh, who's just who more people need to know about because he's a very, very interesting and amusing guy. Um, but like, you know, I don't want to do an interview show. Like, no. I, I'm terrible at interviewing people. Well, you know, I, but I mean, also then, like, do I want to try and do something like Ben has done with the Thrilling Adventure Hour? That is a lot of work. I mean, think about like I don't know if you get the get the public radio stuff over there, but like Garrison Keillor can be kind of a frustrating character. But my, my God, how hard that man works! Every week, he and his team, mostly he, writes that show, A Prairie Home Companion, every week, and then puts it on live every week. Can you imagine that? You think about the people who are in like Broadway shows or what is it, West End? There, what do you call it? Yeah, West End. I mean, think about people who are in a play for like two years. Think about that amount of crazy work. Think about, like, if you've ever seen that uh, movie Coppola's wife made while he was doing Apocalypse Now and how, you know, he is, he's, like, rewriting stuff insanely on his typewriter every night. I don't want that, but, like, I really crave the ability to make something of, you know, I, I wish I could make a comic in some ways. And I, I don't mean to sound like that guy, but you see what I'm saying. I, I would like to have the same kind of in, impact on other people in an entertaining fashion that I'm increasingly aware many people are have, have as an impact on me. It's not so different from the compulsion somebody would have when they're 22 to go write a novel they never write, except I think I'm actually going to do it. It's just a question of what it would be, what kind of stretch it is. And, you know, how, I don't have that many more years in me. I'm, I'm, I'm not going to be here and doing this kind of stuff for that long. I don't know how many more shots I get to do something that's really interesting. I can always increment on stuff, but... I, you know, I, yeah, I'm for, I'm, it's not like I'm scared about that exactly, but like I wonder why more of us, wonder why I didn't do that more when I was in my 20s and 30s. Certainly goes to the stuff we talk about on Back to Work. You know, um, I got off track again, but 
anyway, it, you know, I, did, I didn't mean this so much as a way to say, like, let, let's listen to what Merlin thinks about what, he, you know, thinks he's going to do next. Because who knows? It might just be a stupid podcast with my friends. But maybe it's not going to be a podcast. Maybe it would be something more like radio theater. Maybe it would be something more like a live component, a performance of some kind. Yeah. I don't want to have a business. But I don't know. I'm, I'm really, one of the things that I think, Hopeful, hope, one of the things I hope comes out of Back to Work is the idea that there's the kind of anxiety you have about crap you're not doing and don't want to do that is not, it can be very unwholesome and unhealthy. But my God, it's the greatest kind of anxiety to feel like you're on the verge of doing something interesting and just need to take the right steps and care to do it in, in, would produce the, in a way that would produce the stuff that you might be surprised to find out you could make. And, you know, without trying to sound like some kind of, you know, fourth class hero, that that's the challenge I want to make for myself. And the challenge I want to present to other people too, is like, what if you guys did that? What if, what if you guys, I'm not saying quit your job, but I'm saying like, what if you challenged yourself to do something you hadn't done before on its merits? Because that's the scary part. (laughs) Anyway. Should we talk about some fun things? Yeah. Yeah. And then I got to go pick up my gunter in a little Mm -hmm. while. So um, adventure time is the best cartoon (laughs) ever made. I've just started. Well, I say just started. I'm on to season four. I have watched like three and a half, like four and a half seasons. Did you, three and a did half you start season. at the beginning? Yes. Okay. I'm just. I'm. I'm kind of just catching up with the beginning. I ha- I've watched the pilot like a thousand times, but yeah, I just started going through, and it's so funny, like how holy formed the show is. It's yep. certainly evolved, but isn't it crazy how holy formed it is from the it's, first episode? I watched an episode last night and I don't really want to give anything away because can you tell me what the name was uh, I, oh, I can't remember the name but it's, it's toward the beginning of, of uh, season 3 season 4 oh sorry season 4 and now, it, now Anna's got me confused is your season 4 our season 3 are your seasons matching ours because it seems very confusing I am definitely watching the American ones that's all I'm going to say boy. boy. welcome Welcome to the family. Mm-hmm. So at the end of the episode, a character appeared that was like a throwaway joke in like season one where something happened and this character became infused with a soul of a demon. And then now this character's appeared and is clearly going to be a villain later on. And I don't think I've ever seen a cartoon on like the Cartoon Network, which like is so... It relies on that sort of long arc storytelling. So they they find a book in one of the earlier seasons, um, oh, the, the Hero's Num- Guide. Not, not the Nomicon, that when they find that one yeah. book, is that what it is? The Hero's Guide. And then, I just saw that. I just saw that a few episodes ago, yeah. and it started like in the first season. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's bananas. And they and in the fourth season, the book gets discovered by this evil character. And these are both things... I've just never seen a show that thanks the adult viewer in such a way because I don't know what age Adventure Time is, you know, is, is intended to be for, you know, like how old <laughs> is the virtually child? virtually impossible to figure out who yeah. it's for. <laughs> but it's a kid's cartoon, right? That's what it is. It's hard. It's not like um, a robot chicken cartoon, which is mm-hmm. a cartoon that's meant for adults. This is on, like, regular Cartoon Network, right? Am, am I right in thinking that? I think that's correct. So uh, I've just, I'm blown away by it. And just some of the words I find so interesting that they use the word sexy and dead. Like, 
I, when I was a kid, you'd never hear those words in cartoons. You'd never talk about someone dying in a cartoon. And I just find it really interesting that they go to those sorts of levels. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The the, the very, very latest episode, uh, I was showing some of it to my wife. And it's funny because there's, there's more, like some weird, like extremely abstract Adventure Time ease like sexual innuendo, mm-hmm. but the way it's like, of course, it's Jake, like saying one of his completely bananas, you know, Jake isms about something. And uh, <laughs> it's really funny and really, really weird. And it's, it, yeah, I would say that's definitely not for kids, but like, like, who is it for? You know, because to, not to, you know, go straight to the chase here, but, you know, I've been so moved by some, some episodes of this show, like surprisingly moved. Uh, you know, you look at the way I'm getting way ahead of you right now, but shoot, I don't want to. I don't want to spoil it for you, but but you know, have you gotten to? Um, no, you haven't. You haven't gotten to. I remember you yet. No, but I've seen so many people talk about it, and I can't wait to see this episode. What do you? Oh, but did you see? So you did see Five Short Grables? I haven't. I've. I am aware of what the show is about, but I've not. That's read episode it. Not, two of season four. Um, you, well, maybe I'm on a different season. See, I, we got to talk about this. But you know, it's. it's oh no, I have it. seen that. I have seen. Sorry, I have seen five short gray. Hello, fo- hello, football. Yeah, that's the most peculiar thing. I, I was Imar, like, Imar, are you a robot? <laughs> no, I'm a real living boy. And my daughter <laughs> does it all the time now. She'll go peeing. <laughs> when the first time Bimo spoke, I was like, "Oh, it's a <laughs> tiny Japanese boy." <laughs> Fair I love, enough. I love it so much. He wants to play video games. People, if people boy. haven't seen this show, they have no. <laughs> idea what's going on right now but it's, well I think you that's have the, to the show it. is like that it's the show felt i mean i, I as i've said i used to make fun of dan because the the show seems so deliberately bananas mm-hmm. uh, sorry to keep using that word it seems so like deliberately weird and completely impenetrable and then i realized that like that is kind of how the show is and it's really weird every episode in some ways you know, like suddenly, like you're going to go, wait a minute, is that Lou Ferrigno as that character? Mm-hmm. Y- yeah, 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 that is. That actually is. Like, oh, you know, what, 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 what is happening here? Like, why? So, wait a minute, let me understand this. Th- this boy is the only human left in this post apocalyptic world where there was a mushroom war and he was adopted because he made a boom boom on a leaf by a dog family and now his brother is a shape changing dog. You know, if who's going to buy that pitch? And the shape-changing dog has a girlfriend that is a half horse, half unicorn that is called a rainicorn that speaks it's, Japanese, it's J- Korean or Japanese. Yeah, and everybody around her understands, but <laughs> it speaks to her in English. <laughs> Where do you see his puppies? Oh my god! Oh, it's just—it's just such a good show. It it is, and it's it's funny that you know. So this is the, the worst kind of conversation to have about a show yeah. because it's you you know. I um there are there are there are some very popular nerd properties that for whatever reason I just I I don't want to say I, I didn't get into but like I never got I I didn't watch X Files I didn't watch Buffy like I didn't I was in so like I was in college when Star Trek the New Generation came out and I was never a Star Trek guy so I, I didn't have time or interest in that I was mostly you know real super duper into music and absolutely uh, you know into TV but like. When X Files was out, like I was way more into like Seinfeld or something. I wouldn't. X Files just seems so deliberately loopy, so I never got into that. But like with Buffy, like all of my friends, and I, you know the thing is, Joss Whedon wrote Astonishing X Men, whatever volume three or whatever. He wrote Gifted, which is 
absolutely one of my all-time favorite bar none comic series, like let alone X-Men. Like I think it's one of the finest comic series ever written. But I've never seen a single episode of Buffy. And so here's what happens. And I'm just telling you, I've gotten this from like 10 people. And this is why this is such an annoying conversation. You never seen Buffy? No, no, it's... It's really good. There's like one where they sing. Oh, listen, listen. You've got to watch Buffy, but here's the thing. The first season, it's it's good, but it's like not that good. But like one, like they get into the second season and it like... Okay, so let me understand this. I have to go and watch this TV show that was on like, like whatever, 10, 15 years ago. And then I have to basically watch like a C-plus first season of the show before, you know, that's a true fan. And luckily it's a truly honest fan that will tell you yeah. like where it gets good. But you, I'm given to believe you kind of have to start at the beginning because you're going to find out who, who, whatever his name, Clyde the Blonde Vampire is or whatever. Spike. Spike? Mm-hmm. I've never seen Buffy. Oh, my God. You haven't seen Buffy? <laughs> Apparently Listen. it's really good at season two. First the first season. <laughs> I, I, was at the com- I was at the comic shop yesterday and it had a similar conversation <laughs> with the owner. And I was like, I started, I started to say, what was I saying? Oh, <laughs> it was about adventure time because <laughs> I got Fiona and Cake issue four yesterday, mm-hmm. of course. Fiona and Cake, by the way, the Fiona and Cake comic is a 100% riot. Like all the, you know, the, all the comics, the adventure time comics are great too. Uh, what's the guy's name? Ryan North. There's a lot of them. He's fantastic. But I was like, oh, Christian. You don't, you don't watch Adventure Time? He's like, yeah, I hear it's really good. I was like, oh. <laughs> and I was like, I stopped myself and I went, I am so sorry. You literally own a comic shop. I cannot begin to imagine how many people come in here and tell you what you should be into. <laughs> yep. Yeah. Oh, that must be tough. That must but be You know really what? Hard. I asked him that and he said, no. Well, he's like, the truth is, like, that's why I do this. I do this because, like, I, I really... I like comic books and he likes Magic the Gathering and he likes all that stuff and he's like surprisingly well adjusted and competent um, given those, you know, horrible, horrible things. You know, but uh, he said, you know, that's why I enjoy it. And he says, my problem is like when I start getting too far behind the loop on those things, you know, and I was like, oh, yeah, like I was like, for me, that's when I become really calcified and that's when I become really like, you know, roll my eyes kind of thing about everything. But how, how did you get started with Adventure Time? What um, was your entree? It was just back to work and Dan's soundboard. So I was like, there's clearly something about this show. Somebody take that away from him. That's just... I enjoy it. I'm, I'm, I'm in that club. I'm in that side. I enjoy the soundboard. But yeah, you guys have been talking about it and it seemed... It's, it, it's funny. It's funny. Yeah. It, it does make it a little bit like a morning zoo. Yeah. But, uh, that's, not, not, that's a bad thing. <laughs> I really enjoy Adventure Time. Let me, um, before I let you go, yeah. a comic thing. Oh, yeah, 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 sure. Have and by you, the way, I mean, like, you know, I, I realize I'm insufferable, but I would do this anytime. I, I literally don't have a job. Awesome. Well, <laughs> I don't yeah. want one, so. <laughs> okay, so sorry, last thing. Um, have you read Invincible? On the command of Christian and Corey at my comic shop, I bought volumes one and two last week. I said, what is an image, vertigo, dark horse comic? What is a non-big to whatever. What is the comic besides Saga that I am with powers and stuff like that? What is a comic I don't know that I should be reading? And like as one, they said Invincible. So I, I haven't started yet, but I bought two volumes. So I'm not a, I'm not, I, like, I love comics, but I'm not like, I've not got uh, 20 years of history. 
But I've got a bunch of stuff that I really enjoy and have enjoyed for a couple of years. Invincible is hands down the best comic I've ever read. Okay. It's I will read it. I will, I will literally start reading it today. It's incredible. Have I you, haven't even read Saga 12 yet, and I will go straight into Invincible. Have you read The Walking Dead? I have the first TPP. The Walking Dead is, is excellent. Yeah. Invincible. It seems like a lot, lot to read. It's hard. It's hard going. It's, it's I watched the last latest episode with my wife the other night, and I stand by what I said even a year ago, which is like, oh, my God. It's just, it's, I can't believe I'm saying it's too much for me. The comics It's just is too so much for me. Much the, the, like, the carnage combined with the feeling, that sinking feeling of, I know it goes places, you guys. I know it's a comic. It has an end and it's got stuff and whatever. But, like, it's just, it's just too much. All the eye stabbing and things, it's just, it's dispiriting to me. And also, it doesn't feel like the show, it feels like, like lost at half speed with zombies. So the comic is a lot better. Yeah, the, the comic is. Yeah, I mean, I read the first few issues, and I thought it was really... It's definitely not my kind of comic, which makes this, I think makes this a bigger compliment, was that I thought it was really good storytelling. So the story okay. te- so it's written by the same guy, right? You know that, Kirkman. Mm-hmm. The, there are things that happen... Well, Kirk- Kirkman did Invincible? Yeah, or? he writes Invincible. Wow. So that there- guy must be making bank. Yeah. Well, he, doesn't he, like, own Image? Just... He's one of the heads of Image, right? I'm, I'm pretty I, sure. Oh no, I'm thinking of Dark Horse. Yeah, okay, could be. I think Image was started by like, like wasn't Todd McFarlane involved? Is there like yeah. a, they're like we've had it, we're going to go start our own label kind of thing? Yeah, yeah, that's that's kind of okay. Happened. Okay, Kirkman. Yeah, I, I see people like his friends of his, like Warren Ellis type friends of his, uh, making fun of him in a sweet way. So I guess is he, does he get, do you think he gets a creator credit on um, the show? He does. Oh my god! Wow. Yeah, and the games. Everything. That's a good place to be. Yeah, his name is on everything. He did. He negotiated that very well. Ah, um, so cool. So, it, there are there are panels in Invincible where I have like gone to the panel and I have mouth just been mouth agape for like twenty five seconds. He takes the story in places you could never expect. Like you could. Okay. At, so, so, oh, I, I, so say good. no more. I, I don't. Oh. So okay, you've, you've already you've set my expectations, and I, I will start. Even though I have five books of Transmetropolitan, <laughs> I still haven't finished. Even though I still have four or five uh, uh, planetaries that I haven't read. Even though my wife is ready to kill me. <laughs> I, I tried to get organized yesterday. I still have almost three shelves of TPPs, one long box, two short boxes, and then just comics scattered around the house. Let alone the Jean Grey figure problem. So yeah. I'm going to bring it to the office. I'm going to get all this all this trash. I'm going to get it all. I'm calling my guy tomorrow, trash my, my trash hauling guy. 150 bucks, 700 pounds, American. Wow. I, I mean, sorry, it's 150 pounds for 700 quid of. Let me start over. US, it's a, US it's, if you've got kilos, you're you, okay. So that if you if you go from penny farthings, 12 centimeters, to kilos, yep. you get seven Eurovisions in an ABBA. And then you do, <laughs> divide that by nine, please. Okay, that probably probably good enough right there. I think we're done, right? I think this is it. I I really really like you, and uh, I I do genuinely like you, like as a, you, a as a as a as a as a Brit, as you say. No, as a person, and uh, I I enjoy your stuff so much, and I'm thrilled you're going to be doing more and doing stuff with uh, Dan's with our whole goofy outfit. I'm I'm really happy that happened. Thank you, Melon. That's great. And so maybe you and Anna and I can do something about Adventure Time sometime. I would love that. 
Uh, yeah, yes, Dan talks a big game, but maybe we could do something. Maybe we could yeah. get some of those people on. You never know. You never know. That would be awesome. I would like John, to. John DiMaggio. I, I'm having trouble finding that movie. Do you know about the movie he narrates? No. Uh, as I understand, I've got it in my, let's call it a queue. Um, it's called I Know That Voice. And it's all about basically like voiceover and cartoon people like the Tom Kennys and John DiMaggio's of the world. And uh, he narrates it. And I cannot wait. I mean, like, I'll sit there and watch the stupid YouTube videos of, like, Comic-Con panels, you know, just to hear, like, all those people talk together and see what they look like. Um, but now I, I may actually just pop. I, God, I hate buying a plastic disc. It just feels so stupid. But, you know, I might end up having to go to Amazon and buy it. Yes, okay. My Roku can't find it, if you know what I mean. Yeah, but, <laughs> but anyway, I know not to belabor this. I mean, I'll just say thank you very much for not only having me on at the last minute today, but... Uh, for being so patient with whatever the f I was talking about. <laughs> no, thank you for being here. It was awesome, and that we—I recorded a little conversation we had before that we might throw in at the end of this episode about Disneyland. Um, <laughs> provided, I need to listen to it back and just make sure that just just bleep out everything that's you know, you know. solid two minutes of. <laughs> it's strong material. Listen, my, my my people ruin every part of the Buffalo. So we'll, I'll, I'll I'll throw that in at the end. But Merlin, thank you, thank you, Mike. I appreciate it. And uh, we'll be back with another episode next Wednesday. <laughs> Thanks for Do listening, it. everyone. Do uh, it. Wednesday. Oh, on comic day. Comic day is rough. That's my very very short day. That's when I I, I usually drop my daughter off at not to be creepy. Drop my, drop my daughter off at eight and pick her up at one. And in between, I go to comics. So I'm. Yeah, <laughs> I have to tell you, Mike. I'm an extremely busy podcaster. <laughs> I do two shows a week, don't you know? <laughs> Are you kidding me? And I gotta do sh- I gotta do show notes. I've gotta, you know, I gotta have a drink before you look nice today. It's uh, that's right. I'm not doing that show anymore. Mm. Anyway, if anybody out there can figure out my career, you know, please write to Mike. Yeah, please do. Tell anyway, me thanks, on, on Twitter. I'm I Mike. I M Y K E. Merlin is hot dogs, ladies. But you're. I'm also I am also I Mike on Twitter. <laughs> you can find us both. We now just funnel into one. thanks for listening everyone thank you Merlin thank you just before you get to hear the insane conversation that me and Merlin had which was talking about pronunciations and Disney mainly before we started recording the show I just want to thank Squarespace for their continued support of Command Space and the 70 Decibels podcasting network in its current form Um, Squarespace gives you absolutely everything you need to make an amazing website they provide you with templates, hosting, scaling, integration, commerce platforms, the whole lot. They are awesome. You will be awesome if you use them. Go sign up now. Find out more at squarespace.com forward slash 70 decibels. You'll also get a free trial there. And use the code 70 decibels for at checkout and you'll get 10% off your first order. So let's get on with the next part of this show. Well, let me let me think <laughs> yeah. about this for a minute. So I'm trying to think. If I say, we talk about the, the famous band from Liverpool We'd say the Beatles have released their last album. Yep. Is that correct? No, how would you say that? The Beatles have. The Beatles it's have released plural. Sgt. Pepper. Yeah, that's what we would say. What about the rock band Yes? You would say Yes have, have released another terrible album. Yes, have. Okay. Yes. Um, okay. I'm trying to think. Are there examples, though, where... Um, no, nah, you know, I, I, I guess I can hear it. So you would say Apple have... Apple have Apple have released a new iMac today. I got to be honest, Mike. That hurts my mouth. It's it. Apple you, have. When I say it like this, it feels weird, 
And I think that's because I hear it so much in the other way. So if, if you shine a light on it, it seems strange to me. But if we were just talking, that's how probably I would say it. Because I think, I, I I think there's so many things like that. There's that, yeah. I don't know where I first heard this, but somebody said, uh, if you look in the mirror long enough, you'll see a monkey. That if you ever really, really, really look at yourself in the mirror, it's it can be really, really freaky. And and I've had that I've had that happen. I talk a lot, and sometimes I'll if you repeat a word long enough, it kind of stops having any mm-hmm. meaning. And you're like, how does my mouth make these weird noises? I don't understand. Exactly. It's, I heard once that I think I said this to you last time we talked. I heard once that if a bird knows it's if a bird could could conceive flight, it wouldn't be able to fly anymore. Like, if a bird could conceive what it was actually doing, considering its size and its wingspan, like a pigeon, for example, if it could think how impossible it seems, it wouldn't be able to do it anymore. That is really inspiring. And, and I don't know where I heard that, and it's probably wrong, but I like to say it because it sounds good. It's really, really good. And I, I, uh, I think another good example, I'm, I'm really sorry to have to share this with you, but uh, when you're, next time you're eating, try not to think about your tongue. Oh yeah, because once you start thinking about your tongue while you're eating, it's very hard to eat. Yeah, it's just then all you can do is eat your tongue. You know what? Can I just retract that? I just don't want anybody to think about anyone's tongue. Yeah, I I have just noticed the size of my tongue in my own mouth and can't talk anymore. You start you feel like you're going to choke, right? Yeah, because now it's getting in the way of my teeth, which is strange. You has you has felt I has felt it in the way of my teeth. (laughs) (laughs) So since I've taken over the news. Maybe once or twice a day, I'll get a tweet now where someone will be like, "Why can't you pronounce your ths?" And I'm like, mm, "Because I grew up this way, and I'm trying." Well, why does, so why hard. does everyone in America drop their G's? Oh, it's so funny. You should say this as long. Gosh, I guess Dan's uh, spirit looms large as we talk about uh, obsessive compulsive things. Sometimes I'll, I'll just start hearing the way somebody pronounces one word, and I can't stop thinking about it. Yep, it drives me insane now. If I hear. If I hear if if I know somebody is going to say a word a lot, like they get onto a specific topic, I'm like, oh, here we go, oh, and and I pick up like um, totally the the ticks that people have. So like you know, you know, uh, you know. like I hear anyway, that now. Anyway, and let's not do it. Let's not do that because we're, anyway, anyway. Uh, no, I know I have those, and when I listen back to episodes of um, any show I've done, but particularly back to work, I notice that um, there'll be some word that I've pulled out of the air you know, early to midpoint in the show, and then I'll use it two more times. And it's, it'll be a word that I very rarely use, and then I'll usually use it incorrectly because I guess it's loaded <laughs> into my RAM, cleric. And, and so it's, it's there <laughs> and has re- have ready access. I has ready access to it. <laughs> you know, I'm hard, on, I'm hard on you guys, and I'm hard on the Canadians, and really you're very much like the Canadians. But there are a lot of things you say that I think you people say, and I don't mean that in a ping-pong way, but I really like... A lot of things like I, I like I don't completely understand, but I kind of like the way you guys drop the article from things like hospital and university. Yeah. Don't you say like I'm going to university yeah. or he's in hospital? He's in the hospital. Yeah, I would say he's hmm, I'm not sure about in hospital, but really? Yeah, I, I think some people say I don't. See, it's like these things we're shining a light on it, so maybe I don't recognize it. But I say he's Again, in. Yeah. I say he's in the hospital, but I would say he's going to university. I would. Oh, I do say that. Not like hmm. the university. Hmm. 
Now, see, now you're seeing a monkey in the mirror. Conk. Like, you know, like, you know, over here, there's all kinds. It's a pretty, I don't know if you've ever been here. It's a pretty big place. And, and there are a lot of regional differences. And yep. one of the, I mean, there's a lot that are pretty famous. One is that pretty much only in New York, the boroughs of New York, do people describe waiting online. Oh, that's one of the things that drive me insane. That doesn't make any sense. You're not on the line. You're not standing on people. You are in the line. You are no, amongst you're, you're the you're queuing. Line. You're queuing your lorry torch. Yeah. <laughs> In the so you, you guys queue up, is that right? Do you guys queue up? Yeah, we queue. Yeah, we queue up. Um, you don't queue up. You, you just you merely queue. We queue up and we queue. Huh. I heard that Disney, the Disney Corporation, are the ones who invented the hairpin queue. I don't know if you've ever been to a large amusement park where you have to wait in lines. Yes. But supposedly they invented that. Huh. It's a stroke of genius because on the one hand, it consolidates the area where people are waiting without making it feel like you know, you're just in a mass, but you also, it disguises how long the line is yep. because you can wrap it around things and people don't see, oh no, you're really just in the, the pre or in the antechamber of Space Mountain. It's you know like what I mean? You are in coil one of seven now. <laughs> so you go behind that little cloak there and you, there's another one and then you go up those stairs and there's another one. <laughs> I know. Well, you know, last thing on that, I guess, but we really, uh, we really want to go to a Disney property with our kid <clears throat> but sometimes i just think about like how a day goes for us most days and i realize what a nightmare it would be could potentially be because like first of all you know um like a lot of kids my my daughter gets tired bored and frustrated like yep. me very easily and i don't know if you're have you ever been to like disney world or disneyland or no, disney I've- I've only been to Euro Disney, which is a pale comparison. I don't think that's officially a Disney thing. It's a very strange. It, it's no longer called Euro. It's actually called Disneyland Paris now. It used to be called Euro Disney, but then they tried to make it more Disney and then called it Disneyland, but then threw Paris at the end. And it's it's so much smaller. It's hmm. more like a British-sized theme park. Like we have some, we do have <laughs> some theme parks here. Um, we have one called Chessington World of Adventures and Zoo. Which is the most British sounding place in the world. We have <laughs> I'm sorry, say that again. Chessington World of Adventures and Zoo. <laughs> we have that, that's kind of like three different things. Yeah, you I know. Right? Really just pick any one of those. <laughs> you can you, you can. And we oh, have no, we're going to going down there we're gonna queue up at Chessington. That's all you gotta say. <laughs> we have Thorpe Park. <laughs> you guys are adorable. And Alton Tower. We have things like Lesordsville Lake. <laughs> Six Flags. Six Flags. America Town. Oh, you know what country you're in. <laughs> oh, you know it. Um, but, uh, you know, as a kid growing up in Florida, we would go to Disney World, uh, which is really – and, you know, Disney World at the time, the, the main park was – I guess it's still called the Magic Kingdom. But it was before Epcot or any of that. But <laughs> the only reason I mention it, it's like, you know – we would go and, you know, if you stay on site, which we would definitely do, mm. like we would save our pennies long enough yeah. or our farthings long enough to be able to actually stay in the costlier like in-park stay, get a package or something. But when I was a kid, we would go stay at like a, like a La Quinta Inn for $4 a night. And, then and so you got to get in the car. <laughs> everybody's got to pee. And then you got you to drive and drive and drive to get to the park. So you see, oh, my gosh, it's Disney. It's Disney World. We've arrived and there's... Like when now we see characters and topiaries and you go through this big gate and then you drive and you drive and you drive and you're going, okay, we're, we're in Disney World and you drive and you drive and then finally, oh, 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 I can see the castle. There's the castle and the monorail. This is so great. And then you drive and you drive and eventually you arrive in a parking lot 
and I'll give you a factoid here that uh, Disneyland, the original Disney p- property, you could have two Disneylands. Two. Let me get this right. Two Disneyland, uh, Disney, uh, Disneyland, and two sports stadiums with parking for everything, and fit it all into the parking lot of Disney World. Whoa! <laughs> where it's all named. It's so large and so baffling that it's all you. You uh, famously park in an area area named after one of the characters. So you might be in like Sleepy Seven, and then a tram, one of the stinky diesel trams, takes you up there. So just understand now, you've been on the you've, after after you got up and urinated. Now you've been you've been going to Disney World for like over an hour. You say, okay, this is great. I'm off the stinky tram. Now I got to go through the ticketing station. Okay, no, no, no. oh wait, 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 let me take a step back. No, wait. At first, now, now you have to go over the big body of water somehow. So you have two options: you can either take the ferry boat or you can take the monorail. Every family, it's sort of like I don't know, cooking grits or celebrating Christmas. Everybody's got a different system, but I swear to God, it 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 is not difficult for it to be two hours from the time that you leave where you were sleeping to where you're anywhere near being amused. And I just think about that with my kid who, like, gets frustrated being on a 10-minute train ride to, like, you know, somewhere she wants to go in town. Mm-hmm. So you, <sighs> you know, have and to then I think, what do you do? Bob. You get there, you pay, pay $700, and you immediately go wait in a line. Yeah. There's an interesting thing, right? So here in our theme parks, in our magical Chessington land, <laughs> you, can, you can buy, you pay an, an amount of money, and you get a ticket which gives you a time, like within maybe 30 minutes, for each of the main rides. And you can choose, like, selections of these tickets. So you pay maybe £30 and you get five rides of your choice. And you can go maybe between 12 and 12.45 for that ride and then, like, 1 and 1.30 for the next one. And you go up and you join the queue where, you know, like when you reach the end of the queue and then you have this little queue inside. Mm -hmm. Oh, um, it's like a dinner reservation. They open exactly. a little red yeah, red they, rope and, and say, you go in. And and all of our theme parks here have those. And I, I want think they to... do that at, at Disney. I think I I did, did a show with Gruber one time because he's real Disney obsessed, and I, I'm pretty sure they have that in parks here too. And it seems like that would really benefit the park because you've got crowd control for making yeah. sure that you know the haunted mansion isn't going to have a seven hour line first and thing also, in the morning. What are people not doing when they're not queuing? Or what are buying they doing things. when they're not you're buying, buying things? Exactly. You're buying churros mm-hmm. and plush figures. You're buying hats. There's lots of buying, buying, buying. So you think you're winning, but they're winning. Because so um, you when you take the tube down to Chessie, what, what, what kind of uh, amusements does the, the Chessington uh, Lake Park and the zoological complex have? What's the big banger at See, Chessington? The interesting thing is all of our theme parks are owned by the same company. It's a oh. company called Merlin. Believe it or not, it's called Merlin. That's the name of the company. Hmm. Oh, I'm sorry. Sorry. Thanks for owning our theme parks, by the way. And, uh, <laughs> and and so they move the rides around and make one park the best park. So Chessington is rubbish now, but when I was a kid, it was the best one. But now all of the good rides are at Thorpe Park. So they moved them all there. And um, the best one at the moment is a winged roller coaster. Which sounds really strange, and it goes backwards. So you like you get in it, and you're sort of suspended over the side of the rail, and then it goes backwards very fast. Is it one of those ones where it's like the the part? There's like a like a bar kind of thing above you, hanging down. Yeah, kind of. Yeah, that looks super scary. It's the first one in Europe, apparently. I never used to think about things like physics. 
I never used to think about danger and the idea that I just paid money to go way too fast, especially at like a carnival, you know, where everybody, it's all just meth addicts that, you know, running all the rides. But now let me ask you this though, at, 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 at one of the, at, uh, the Merlin properties, are they based on, like in America, you know, you're always trying to work in a franchise angle. When I was a kid, Kings Island, the park near my home in Ohio, was all Hanna-Barbera themed. So it was all like Fred Flintstone and Yogi Bear and stuff like that. Do you have uh, branded uh, events and characters at uh, your Chessingtons? We don't have any, 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 all of our theme parks. Well, except Thought Park has a Saw ride, of the, like the movie Saw. What? Yeah. The, 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 the unwatchable torture movie? Mm-hmm. They have a, one of those people dress up as crazy people and chase you around inside the big building rides, if, uh, oh. if you call that a ride. Can I add, add that to my queue? <laughs> and, but they, wow. have a, they have an incredible roller coaster, a Saw-themed roller coaster, which is a lot of fun. <laughs> that You can get a DVD of your face. So you, they have <laughs> cameras in the seats in front of you. So instead of getting a picture of just one point, you buy a DVD of you on the whole ride, which is actually it sounds like the, the last scene from, you know, it's like in 1984. It's yes. like, you know, rats on the face kind of experience, and here's your Polaroid. Mm-hmm. That is kind of what it's like. Enjoy your trip, Winston. Wow. <laughs> Jeez Louise. Um, so, uh, how, long, how long do I have you for? Oh, th- this is the show, right? We're doing the show, right? This is the show. Um, I hadn't started the show. It can be the show. Oh, this should be the show, don't you think? Or it could be another show. Um, I have to show. be out of here in a little bit over an hour. So I will probably take that conversation. Well, if you don't release this, I will. And put it. That was at the gold. End. That was gold. Don't want. Don't, maybe the bit at the start we don't want. We don't oh want no. <laughs> no! 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 Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's one cat you don't want to poke. Mm-hmm. So I'll cut that out. But uh, mm-hmm. and then the rest will be. You, so, don't you have like thirty-five podcasts? You got to have somewhere where you can put your little squirts like that. <laughs> so that's what they call it. In she France. doesn't like me to do it too often. <laughs> now I'm game if you are we can talk about whatever you want and just to clarify the reason I was mentioning the whole project idea was not because well I mean on one hand on the one hand yeah it does help me to think out loud about it but I, I also I don't know I, I thought other people might be sort of interested in like I said in, in like the parameters that are driving what I want to do I don't know yeah, yeah no I've uh, it's, yeah let's talk about it because as well, as soon as you mention something like that, people want to know more. They just, you know, they want. Yeah, yeah. Well, I'm, I'm totally into it, and you know, I, I, I'm, you know, as always, I'm reluctant to, you know, be. I've learned to be reluctant about being, you know, pre-announce stuff mm-hmm. guy because I don't know what it's going to be. I don't really have anything to pre-announce, and what's worse than a pre-announcement for a pre-announcement? But anyway, I'm up for that. I'm up for Adventure Time. I'm up for whatever you want. And I guess having the constraint of an hour is not a bad thing. Cool. Let's do it.